Hello and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today I'm talking about Yellow Dock, which is a really clutch plant for digestion, which, uh, hi, hello, holiday season. I don't know if anyone else feels it when you're just eating constantly starting in about November right January first like what's happening um but it's also like a Jupiterian planet or a Jupiterian plant which I love I feel like we don't talk a lot about like stuff associated with Jupiter as far as plants go which is so nice kind of at the ass end of Sag season too yeah exactly exactly well and I'm gonna be introducing to you Oh my god, I'm going to be introducing you to Mother, aka Modron, and talking a little bit about fertility magic, but Ooh. not in the not in the way you might be expecting. Um, more to come, that's, that's more a to come. Tease. <laughs> but uh, before we get into all of that, Shannon, when did you feel the magic this week? Man, this week has been um, pretty magical, actually. So I did plant the rest of my bulbs yesterday. I got a bunch of daffodil bulbs in the Ooh. ground. But also my narcissus that I planted like a month ago has flowered for no apparent reason. Wow. I just have like narcissus flowers in December. I have Christmas narcissus, uh, which <laughs> is like, it doesn't make sense. It's not how it's supposed to work. The ground really isn't actually warm enough for that to have happened. So I like to think it's me being just a magical bitch. So Right, right. Um, well, love that. Um, if you couldn't tell by the fact that I do sound like Stevie Nicks, um, I've been <laughs> kind of under the weather this week. And mine is is going to be a two-parter, as always. But um, I did make the a, a comically oversized herbal tea. And I had um, elderberry in there. And I had chamomile in there. And I had lemon in there. And I had ginger in there. And I was just like, I just need everything that's going to make me feel better. And yeah. it worked. It did for it's like good for you. For like an hour. Um, this yeah, hay, your body this, has to run its course. This, this, this hay fever's got me on the ropes, y'all. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm drinking, be... I'm just holding it up because this is elderberries and nettle. I, just yeah, speaking of tis the season like get those elderberries in y'all for real yeah. they will help you out um and then the the second part was i did have to take a sick day sunday um which i don't like ever do and i will say this like not that you want to be sick but sometimes taking a sick day is really just such like a cozy self-care kind of vibe yeah and I was just laid up in bed, watching White Lotus, um, drinking copious amounts of herbal tea. And I was just like, this is actually kind of nice. Like, I should let myself relax more than I do. I mean, it's a cute sentiment that you'll never live up to. And no, I get it. I know. I know. We both have too much fire in our chart to actually relax. But once in a while, it's Once nice. in a while, your body makes you. And yeah. It's kind of it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. So like, I'm gonna be doing. Uh, I'm gonna be going on a road trip. So I'm excited to like spend some time talking about like fertility magic 
and having a little bit of podcast fun before I spend like two days on the road. So let's do it. Yeah, driving driving through the fucking desert. Whoop whoop. Because that's all that's between Texas and California is is desert. Yeah. I mean, we found a cool hotel in Tucson we're staying at, and I'm definitely staying at Hotel Paisano in Marfa, which is allegedly haunted. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get some content there. Oh, love that. Always on the lookout for some content. Right. Um, but let's get let's get into our deity topic for the week. Um, so in this week's very fertility slanted episode, um, we did think it would be fun to look at a very old school mother goddess. So this week I'm going to be looking at um, Modron, uh, the mother of Mabon. Um, because we're on a bit of a Mabinagian kick. We're also like on a bit of an Arthurian legend kick. But not only is she serving mother uh, in a very real way, her name literally means mother in Welsh. So Yeah, and, um, I mean, that's real <laughs> maternal. Right. <laughs> and um, so just to circle around to the whole Mabon thing, though, sometimes his name is written as Mabon at Modron, um, which is Mabon, the son of mother. So, which Yeah, you'll um, see a lot of that app like the AP and then another name in Welsh legends and lore. Um, it's it's like, it's something about like older peoples, I guess more ancient peoples were really into like their lineages and like going well, hard. Like half the Bi the Old Testament is that too. Well, and it's like, uh, it's like the whole Russian thing too of like your middle name just is like your dad's name. Yeah, Olegovich. Yeah. Um, My Russian friend's middle name because his dad's name is Oleg. <laughs> right. Is, uh, you know, shout out to Igor. Um, <laughs> but I'm sorry, but this lady does have to have very strong cancer placements to just be going around and everyone calls her mother. Like, I mean, like, that's a triple cancer mood, right? That is very much a triple cancer mood. Um but Modron was an interesting choice for this fertility episode because she's sort of like the middle Pokemon evolution um, <laughs> in like an easily traceable lineage. So the Pidgeot of mother goddesses, if you will. Because before her, on the mainland in Gaulish territory, aka the Continental Celts, um, they had Matrona, um, which also means mother. Um, and yeah, they, they were really creative with those names. <laughs> right. And we'll get to, to what the third evolution is a bit later on. But um, I guess let's start with the Mabon connection. So the story of Mabon's birth really closely resembles the story of Rhiannon from the Mabinagian. So hence the connection there. Um, which actually, I think it's cool to look at this kind of middle evolution, though, because you can really see how much was actually inspired by Modron. So again, the con connection to Rhiannon. Um, so the story goes that Mabon was born to Modron, and in some sources, the baby daddy was uh, none other than Melt or Mados, uh, the god of lightning. So in a way, this story is also giving a bit of Hercules, uh, especially with what happens next. So birth is obviously a tiring process, even for a goddess. So after having the baby, Modron is like fully conked out. And of course, leave it to a man to not even step in and provide some basic care 
while the lady recovers from having her cooter split open and almost bleeding to death. Um, and like shout out to Dark Ages Healthcare um, for making all of that possible. But anyway, she wakes up from her post, uh, her post labor coma, to find that baby Maybon is missing. Uh, and there's even some accusation here of infanticide, um, which is honestly rude, because how could a lady named Mom kill her baby? It just doesn't track, okay? So yeah, like- fake news. A triple cancer would never. A triple cancer would never. And anyway, because she's a goddess and she can do things like that, she decides to enlist a local chieftain to go on a quest for her baby. And it's not important to the story, but like this chieftain in question um, was just some backwater Welsh fuck called Uther Pendragon. I don't know, never heard of him. Um, hardly important to the story. But this like King Uther guy is really ambitious and he just became the king of the Britons or whatever. So he really puts in the work for that good PR. You know, it's like if he can find Modron's baby, like that's a, that's a really good, uh, you know, little blurb for the news cycle. Um, so they do, they find baby Mabon and he's fully grown because divine parentage or whatever, you know, like that's something we see across the board. Baby, baby gods grow up really really fast that's like part of their whole thing it's like um, yeah kind of their thing that's kind of their thing um so they find him and they did what any iron age alpha males would do and they go on a hunt for an enchanted boar uh and they're helped along the way by talking animals so um you know like cool um but mabon goes on to become part of uther's court and Modron sticks around to help out. And this seems to be the origin of Morgan Le Fay in the Arthurian legends that come after this. So this is like a really, really deep cut Arthurian legend. Um, but there is also another Modron story. And so this time it's by the rock hard bard himself, Taliesin. Shout out to our Taliesin episode. Um, which, of course, means that it centers around Urian Regid. Another shout out to the Taliesin episode. Um, so in this story, Modron is cursed to be a washerwoman at a ford in a river for all of eternity, unless she can conceive a child with a Christian man. And honestly, having to fuck a Christian man is the real curse, if you ask me. But I'm digressing here. Uh, in the story... Urian is there to investigate why dogs freak out and bark a lot at this particular river crossing, which you would think, being a king, he would have bigger fish to fry than, like, barking dogs, but the poem does not give us a lot of context on this particular matter, so he's out there trying to figure out why the dogs are barking, and he's the king. Um... I mean, I guess, you know, it's good to be a hands-on kind of leader. You would just think, like, someone else could go check it out. But, um, but so he gets to Modron's Bend in the River and finds this beautiful washerwoman, like, beating clothes on the rocks, you know, because she doesn't have a, a, a whirlpool washing machine because this is the, the Dark Ages. This is, like, the 8th century or so. Um, and I guess because he's like a king or whatever, 
he's just like, hey, lady, let's fuck right here in the river. And, um, you know, I'm supposed to figure out why the dogs are freaking out, but now I'm horny. So they they do the dirt, they do the dirt. And she's like, hey, you wouldn't happen to be Christian, would you? And he's like, oh my God, that's so random. I actually do love Jesus. And she's like, I know it's the dark ages and nobody knows anything about human bodies, but I'm like super, super sure that I'm pregnant. So come back in like nine-ish months and pick up your baby. I think the really psycho thing here is that he does come back for the baby and it turns out it's twins, so like Mazel Tov. Um, And he calls them Owen and Morphud. And all three of them are actually characters in their own Arthurian legend as well. Uh, They do change um, Owen to like Awen, um, but Morfud. What what an ugly name. I'm so sorry, medieval Welsh people, but Morfud is not a cute name. But so from this goddess, though, um, it does evolve into Morgan Le Fay being this powerful witch on King Arthur's court. Sometimes she's his sister, sometimes she's like Merlin's lover. But um, you know, that's that's really where it comes from. And I do want to talk a little bit more about Matrona, but I'm saving that actually for the fertility segment. So um, not a lot out there about uh, Modron. So kind of, again, yeah. like, the, like the middle evolution, we know a lot more about Morgan Le Fay as a literary character. And then the Morgan as like a goddess uh, kind of a basis for Morgan Le Fay. But I didn't want to talk about the Morrigan because that's kind of more of like a like a Hecate, Circe kind of vibe. Well, and I just wanted to plug real quick before we leave on for Modron. Um, because Modron is one that's like uh, the main source we have for her. And I pulled out my copy of the Mabinogian. Of course, um, of course. There's, a, there's like a selection of what are called transformational poems from Taliesin. And there's one called Cad Godot that is um, essentially, <laughs> it's called like, I think it's like the battle of the trees or the army of the trees or the battle of the trees. And this oh, is yeah. where we get I read, like- I read I read about the battle of the trees. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is like the, where one of the main places we hear about Modron is like in this long poem that's like kind of intense and a little weird. So I just- you know, because I sometimes we talk about this where there's like not a lot of resources, and it's like no, like Nick is building off of literally like two lines in a two, poem, two, and two then lines in a poem connecting it to other stories that we have like in the Mabinogi. So anyway, just like big ups to you, Nick, for making a segment out of like having to do so much digging. Oh, and, and honestly, that's one of the things I love about making this podcast is getting to do the research. I really think I miss my calling by not going into academia, but whatever, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm funny. I'm making it work. So that. <laughs> um, cool. So. And we are going to talk a little bit about Matrona in my fertility segment. So you yeah, know, put, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Well, today I'm not going to like, beat around the bush too long uh i am talking about yellow dock otherwise known as dock curled dock 
curly dock, narrow leaf dock, or sour dock. So here I'm a little disappointed in the common names, um, but they can't all be fun, I guess. So the Latin is Rumex crispus, which honestly, like the Latin name is cooler than any of the common names, which doesn't happen very often. I think I'm thinking about a name change. What if my name was Rumex crispus? I mean, I feel like you would have to invent a snack line. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, but wait, so Curly Doc, though, and I know we talk about her in almost every episode, but there is a Black Forager episode on TikTok about Curly Doc and things that you can do with it for food. So, yeah, you can eat it. Shout out. Shout out to, shout out to Alexis. Yeah, you can eat her. So not Alexis, Curly Dog. Um, so this plant is in the Polygonaceae family, which is the knotweed family. And I was digging through, I don't know that we've actually covered anything else in the knotweed family yet. So like breaking new ground two years into this podcast and we can still surprise you. You're welcome. So <laughs> it's native to Eurasia and Northern Africa. But it's now naturalized around the world, including Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, South America, and North America. It's actually one of the five most widely distributed plants in the world, and it's invasive in some regions. So if you're going to want to grow it, you're definitely going to need to do some research first. But what does it look like? Uh, it's not a little dude. It's a perennial. It can get up to five feet tall. So like, it's almost Olsen twin sized. Uh, first year plants form a basal rosette and then in year two it grows a stalk that bears like small greenish flowers the stems are angular and grooved and they're usually branched like from the base to the top with the leaves at the bottom being larger and then getting smaller as you move up the plant so the margin of the leaves are super super wavy like there's a reason they call it curly right and that's a good way to tell this one apart from other rumex species because there are at least 25 species of dock in the U.S. alone. So you want to make sure you know what you've got your hands on, right? Um, but the seeds are also produced in these super cute, like, winged, papery, little heart-shaped husks that are just too cute. So the stalks and the seeds do turn, like, a really gorgeous rust color in the fall. And they have a carrot-like taproot that can get up to a foot long. I mean, it's not you know, an impressive 15 foot dandelion taproot, but it can get up to a foot. She'll do. Um, the roots also have an orange yellow bark and the inside of it is a brighter yellow hue, like kind of like, you know, the yellow carrots and rainbow carrot assortments. It It's like that kind of yellow, if that helps. Um, but those yellow roots are another one of the ways that you can actually tell this apart from like other species. And we love a good way to identify which plant you have. Um, harvesting is always key. Remember, if you're gonna harvest roots, you wanna harvest them in the autumn because nutrients fall down. But when you're looking to harvest roots for this plant, you're actually gonna be waiting until the entire plant changes to that like reddish brown that it turns to in the fall. That's when it's good time. To, that's when it's a good time to harvest the roots. But you can also collect the young leaves like right after they unfurl in early spring. Um, you can totally just eat them, like blanch them, eat them raw in salads and small doses. Uh, you do want to avoid harvesting the plants when they're too dry, like if you're in a drought, because that can increase the levels of oxalic acid in the plant. Um, oxalic acid can cause like 
crystals in your urine and impact things like kidney stones, or if you have gout, it can be a problem. We'll talk about it a little later. Um, I wouldn't panic about oxalic acid, um, but I'll get into it more at the end of the segment. So this is a plant that grows in waste areas often. It's one of those sort of like frontier plants, right? That it goes out and like, if an area is undisturbed uh, for a long period of time after being fucked with, yellow dock will grow there. Um, it's really got a great, it's like got a great um, ability to sort of like help rejuvenate soils, you know, that taproot. But because of that, you need to be really careful with where you're sourcing it because it can thrive in like not healthy soils. So um, one of the things you have to be careful with is things like, you know, heavy metal toxicity if it's in like an area that has bad waste. So just like be cautious, like know where you're harvesting things from. We don't want that. So let's talk about the medicinal uses though. I'm not going to talk about growing it. It's literally invasive in some parts of the country. So give it a Google, but also this one is like really forageable. So go check out Black Forager. Now, medical uses disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please always talk to your doctor before starting an herbal regimen. Don't get your medical advice from a podcast, you weirdo. Okay. So this one, like I said, though, has a strong affinity to the digestive system, which like literally we could all use right about now. So Dioscorides and Culpepper both used it to treat things like dysentery uh, because it's an astringent. And once the colonists brought it to North America, Native Americans used it for GI, GI issues um, like diarrhea and again, dysentery, high are, are Oregon we, Trail. I was going to say, are we playing Oregon Trail? Yeah, uh, just get you some yellow dock. You'll be good. You can make a decoction of the root and it's supposed to be really good for your digestion. Um, this plant has those like those good old bitters, right? We know bitters are great for your digestive system, um, but it also has this cool like complementary cooling property to it that helps ease inflammation. So a lot of times it's recommended if you have things like um, stomach ulcers or like ulcerative colitis, because a lot of times when you have digestive issues like that, you can have problems with nutrient absorption. So something like yellow dock can be a good ally, right? Because it can like it helps with nutrient, uh, nutrition, nutrient absorption. It's been a long day, um, but it also kind of like soothes. So it can be really good for things like that because you don't want anything too aggressive on the tongue if you have uh, stomach ulcers, because then you might do something dramatic, like stand up at a dinner with your family and spew blood all over the table. Oh, uh, shout out to Downton Abbey. <laughs> Which... I screamed the first time I saw that episode because no. I did not expect a blood vomit moment in Downton Abbey. It was absolutely uh, shocking. Yeah, I literally screamed. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I do think Yellow Dog's fun, though, because it's like it's useful in cases of both constipation and diarrhea. But stay with me. So the plant has um, anthraquinone which gives it like a mild laxative effect, but the astringent qualities can also restrain the bowels. So essentially lower doses are good for diarrhea, higher doses help with constipation. But again, like work with your herbalist. You also have to look at a lot of things with digestive issues. Um, but since this has been used with the GI system for so long, it makes sense that in modern times they're doing more research on it um, as a possible treatment for colorectal cancer. 
And this one is, I mean, I'm really excited about this. Colorectal cancer is one that like kills people very quickly. <laughs> it's also like very uh, often like not detected until too late. So, you know, y'all take care of yourselves. And, you know, I, I just want to throw in here that um, my only living grandparent is actually a colorectal cancer survivor. Which is badass. Yeah. That's but so that's, badass. But that is that is some rough treatment, I will tell you. Yeah, it's hard. Um, so the good news here is there was a study that found that a methanol ec extract of the root uh, had anti-diabetic, anti-cancer, and free radical scavenging properties in vitro. And then they did a study in 2015 where they found that water-soluble compounds from the plant do have anti-cancer activity on human colon cancer cells. And there's like plenty more studies ongoing. There's like a bunch of them that have been happening. And obviously there needs to be more research to suggest that this could even be like a complementary treatment. But like, if you're someone who has a history of colorectal cancer in your family and this doesn't have a contraindication with anything you're on, maybe like add some yellow doc tea to your regimen regularly. You know, I think it's one of those things where like, it's really good for your digestion. So if you're someone from a family with a history of colorectal cancer, chances are you probably have some sort of digestive upset just based on genetics, like high IBS. Um, so, you know, just think about maybe adding some of it. So why are we talking about it in a fertility episode though? Well, medicinally, it can also help with reproductive complaints. So it's often used for hormonal imbalances but specifically hormonal imbalances that are related to things like liver digestion, uh, liver congestion, or like improper digestion of fats. So things like fibrocystic breasts, uterine fibroids, um, and all sorts of like menstrual issues like amenorrhea, um, having overly heavy periods. So, you know, and it's also used for things like PMS. And one of the things that I saw it recommended for was to ease menstrual headaches and, uh, menstrual related acne so I perked the fuck up because I am like 31 years old and I still break out on my chin and my jaw the week before my period it never ends like what <laughs> there's no justice in this world um <laughs> oh. Gonna start adding some yellow dock to my fucking regimen. Um, but it's also used for things like chronic pain. It's uh, used for lung health. And it's also used as an alternative, which we've talked some about. Alternatives are like in folk medicine, colloquially referred to as like blood cleansers, but that's not really an accurate description of what they do because they actually work more on like your metabolic function. But alternatives are really good for helping your body like basically cleanse itself. Um, but we can't spend all day here. So I wanted to talk a bit about oxalic acid at the end, right? So like, because they believe do contain oxalic acid, you want to be cautious if you're prone to things like kidney stones, gout, and rheumatoid arthritis. But I have to point out, and we've talked about this before, spinach also contains oxalic acid, and most people can tolerate eating some raw spinach or raw yellow dock occasionally. Just don't overdo it. But you can always reduce the oxalic acid in things by like blanching your greens and tossing the water. So like blanch them, give them a little rinse, you know, and that's, it's great if you're someone that has like RA and wants to eat like some greens, that's a good way to do it. You know, like blanch them to get out some of that acid, rinse them, and then you can eat them. Also cooked greens 
tend to be easier on the digestive system for people that have IBS diarrhea. So things to keep in mind. But just don't don't take things as like black and white. This is why you need to like work with an herbalist and your doctor because just because something has oxalic acid in it doesn't mean you should totally avoid it if it's going to do other good things for you. Now, on to the magic. This is a plant. It's associated with the air element. And again, Jupiter. And I love it because Jupiter is such a good one to like bring into the fold when we're talking fertility, right? So the biggest use I think for yellow dock is kind of like clearing blockages, right? Because one of the most important things about any sort of like fertility or abundance magic is to like release emotional baggage to make space for what it is that you're trying to grow and bring into the world. Like you have to make room for it. Right. So that's where I think this like idea of like the expansion of Jupiter, like yellow dock is kind of like clearing the road for that expansion. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Well, and it's like Jupiter, you know, is very much needing that space. Yeah. Jupiter needs big space. It's a, I am, I, my chart is led by Saturn. So Jupiter is something that I often, I I feel like it's a planet that I have to work a little more to get my head wrapped around because I have such a Saturnian vibe about me. So I think that working with something like yellow dock is also probably really good for people like me that have like struggles when it comes to thinking about this idea of like rapid expansion as a possibility, um, which is interesting when I get to my fucking taroscope later, which we'll talk about. Um, so again, though, if you're wanting to make something happen, you got to make space for it, right? So add yellow dock to spell bags, spell jars, put it under your doormat, put it in a sleep sachet. You can, uh, my favorite tea recommendation I saw was like a yellow dock and chamomile tea, which is like amazing because yellow dock is clearing chamomile's prosperity. Like that's an amazing one, two punch again, like Magical teas don't have to be complex. You could do a single herb, but like a yellow dock and a chamomile making a tea, that's a spell. There you go. Stir some honey in fucking clockwise and you're good to go. That's a fertility spell right there. You're welcome. Um, you can also use it to like dress candles. And I, I think the thing that I like about yellow dock is like you can use it both in prosperity and fertility, but also in just like sort of blockage clearing spells because those I think are often best done like in tandem or in sequence and yellow dock can kind of be your like through line from one spell to the next. So you can use yellow dock as you're clearing the way and then use it when you're calling in the prosperity. Um, so I, I just love the idea of kind of having that be the through line through the practice um, magically. So that's it for today. Uh, my sources were uh, the herbarium starchild.co.uk, witchinthewoodsbotanicals.com, and parlorofwonders.com. And um, once again, check out that TikTok. Um, she actually makes a little flower out of the seeds uh, and makes little pancakes. Yeah, so cute. It's so, so it's cute. So, so cute. I love that channel. I love that. I love the whole Oh my God, can you thing. imagine? Some dock seed pancakes with like a chamomile syrup on them for a <sighs> prosperity breakfast. Hi. That would be such a good way to start the day. Um, I feel like that should be everyone's breakfast on New Year's. 
move over black eyed peas there's something that's probably tastier in town i'm sorry i i hate black eyed peas i eat my black eyed peas i do it every year i know and but they're gross okay i take like one bite and i've (laughs) always done that since i was a kid my nana would always be like just one bite and i'm like seriously that's all you're getting out of me because i (laughs) fucking hate black eyed peas i don't like them they're the worst bean i said very bad bean beans are so good as a as a category of things and then you have black eyed peas who the fuck we're very we're a very bean positive podcast we love a 15 bean soup there are many beans in that black eyed peas get the fuck out get the fuck (laughs) out we're coming out hot and heavy with the opinions here um oh well just wait just wait because the the next segment is an opinion piece uh i mean whatever it's the end of sagittarius season and you're getting my fucking opinion whether you like it or not feeling spicy um but before we do that how could people like help out this podcast or get in touch with us or you know whatever send us a bag of rubies rate review subscribe uh reach out to us on our instagram at wands and fronts pod uh gmail it's wands and fronts pod at gmail.com oh excellent and hey you know we haven't mentioned this in a while, but it does help to download the episode. You know, maybe you'll get, you know, it's like skiing season, right? Like, are you even getting reception at a ski resort? Like, you need your little podcast, don't you? So go ahead and click that download button, you guys. Really whoop, helps whoop. us out. Um, but okay, fertility is a concept, is the name of this segment. Um, which is uh, also the name of the episode. Um so this week we are talking about fertility magic, but it's not what you think. And what I actually wanted to do was sort of in the uh, festivus spirit, um, I'm going to air out a grievance. Oh, shit. So specifically in regards to like fertility magic, because if you're getting into Wicca or like Celtic revival witchcraft or like really any of the old witchcraft traditions, and I'm looking at Mesopotamia, I'm looking at Egypt, you know, I'm looking at Persia, even, if we're looking a little bit later. If we're looking at Italian witchcraft, if we're looking at Greek witchcraft, if we're looking at really any of the major magical traditions in the world, there's just so much shit about fertility magic. And when you look at this stuff, especially with like Wicca and Celtic revival magic, it's like, you've probably thought to yourself, who the fuck is this written for? Like farmers? rustic peasant housewives and these are my thoughts exactly because there's so much hubbub about fertility and it's like hello i'm gay and shannon is a 21st century lady with an adult job and no desires to start a family and so many witches and witch adjacent people are our kind of people so why are there so many fucking fertility spells in like every single book about witchcraft? It's mind boggling, truly. Um, so we wanted to kind of center this discussion around different kinds of fertility because the idea here is that there's so much, so many spells out there, so many books out there, so many just like ways to be in the craft that center around fertility. And it's like, hello, I'm not a farmer. I don't want to have children. So like disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm not a farmer. Shannon's not a farmer. Um, 
I mean, it's true. We don't need like seven children, so we have some spares to like work the plow. So we wanted to to center this discussion around different kinds of fertility, but before we really dive in, one thing I thought was really neat in my research about Matrona was that they made these little clay statues for your home altar, and um, which isn't the interesting part. Uh, but sometimes she's feeding a baby, and sometimes she's holding like a basket of fruit and vegetables. Uh, which, okay, seemingly very on brand for a mother slash fertility goddess, right? There's a third type of statue, though, where she's cuddling a tiny dog. And, um, you know, like, cute, this dog is a tiny dog. I said that video, <laughs> right? You did. Um, but I do bring this up because even then, they were exploring the concept of fertility versus taking it so, so, so literally. Um, and, you know, mother just isn't just for farmers and, like, rustic peasant housewives. She's for the spinster wine ants, you know, the double-income no-kids people, and the queers, too. So, shout out to Matrona with the tiny dog. This is a tiny dog. <laughs> <laughs> this dog is a tiny dog. It's smaller than a regular dog. <laughs> Um, but that's really the meat of this segment, I feel. So looking at the idea of fertility from that perspective, and really, I do just have to say as well, and absolutely, I'm going to get political for a second, but if you're bringing a child into this dumpster fire of a world, you absolutely need to get a grip on your vanity, honey. They say children are the future. Wrong. There is no future. Why are you doing this? It's like, I mean, everyone has kids for vanity. I'm sorry. It's just the fucking truth. But at this point in time, you're really telling me that you are so vain that you really just feel that you need to spread your genes so that someone can live through the climate crisis, World War III, and the seemingly inevitable rise of neo-fascism. Just get a fucking hobby already, people. My God. <laughs> Pick up embroidery. It's fun. Get a tiny dog. It's a tiny dog. It's smaller it's a than a regular dog. It's smaller than a regular dog. Um, so again, to all the breeders out there, this segment is not for you. Okay? You've done enough. Move on. Move along. Okay? Um, and if you're a farmer, well, we still like you. But also this segment is not exactly for you either. So, wanted to talk about kind of like alternate things that you can ask for in fertility rituals. And the first thing that came to my mind as like a creative is having like a fertile imagination. You know, if you're a creative type, having a, a fertile mind that can come up with new ideas is a great substitute for babies or wheat or whatever. <laughs> babies um, or wheat. Um, but also, you know, kind of circling back to the doc thing, I think kind of changing the paradigm to be abundance, because I mean, in our modern world, again, where we're not farmers or peasant housewives, like we could still use some abundance, right? Yeah. And not even just financial abundance. And, you know, just kind of circle around to me, it's like, I have 
this really big Jupiter placement, I'm a Sag moon. It's not just money, right? It's like when I went to go see Seek Treatment Live and the guy runs up to me. I'm not a VIP. I didn't even have like a full-blown pass. I just got tickets to that one show. And this guy runs up to me and he's like, oh, hey, there's two more seats left on the front row. Do you want them? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course I do. Um, and, you know, it's like when I was traveling this summer, it's literally like, oh, we're opening up another TSA line starting with you. Now, that's the kind of abundance that I think we could all appreciate. Um, I mean, because money, money is money, whatever, right? But abundance, you know, it's um, it's better. It's better than money, you know? And that's kind of, I just, I just feel like, you know, people kind of look at like Wicca and again, Celtic Revival, witchcraft, and they see all of this fertility bullshit. And they're like, well, I don't want to have a baby and I don't grow wheat. So is this for me? And it's like, yes, it's absolutely for you. Just kind of shift the paradigm about what you're asking for. And then it really opens up this whole new world of spells and um you know incantations and like stuff that you could use it's already there for you to use just kind of switch up the meaning a little bit and i think especially this time of year you know people really want some abundance and i also think there's room in the fertility magic conversation for like relationship fertility like you know, like, you want your friendships to grow, you want your interpersonal relationships to grow, like, I think for certain types of fertility magic could really help there as well, and I mean, it's not just about being fuckable, it's like, you know, you want your relationships to be strong, and I feel like there is that kind of, you know, almost like farming aspect to maintaining friendships and relationships, where it's like, you do have to put in the work, you have to plant those seeds, you have to you know, turn over the land every now and then. Like, it's not static. And it. I, I see a lot of parallels with, like, interpersonal relationships and, and, you know, kind of, like, the classical meaning of fertility. And, you know, also just to say, like, there's there's a kind of, like, emotional fertility. I think a lot of people in this day and age are emotionally barren, so to speak. And, um, you know, how, being able to go deep and you know do the shadow work i mean i think fertility certain kinds of fertility magic could help you there as well and it's like it's not just about babies and wheat so this was really more of just like a really long qwp but we did just want people to kind of think about like fertility is a concept it does not mean pushing a baby out of yourself so and then you can go back and look at your you know, witchcraft books from the 70s, and you can use some of these spells for yourself without making it about having a baby. So something to think about, a little opinion piece. And I'm sorry we're keeping it a little short this week. I, my throat is so sore. (laughs) So Oh, well, on that note, speaking of... (laughs) emotional fertility and the perils of the modern world um i got virgo today for the tarot scope which always feels um a bit like getting called out 
sure, as, yeah. as a Virgo reading it. And I got the Seven of Earth, which, speaking of hay favor, is represented by Oak. Um, Love that. So the Seven of Earth is really all about, like, slowing down, living in alignment with the seasons, understanding that, like, it takes time to build legacy, to create something larger than yourself. The Seven of Earth is, like, a very Saturnian card, which... I do love it's kind of that like slow and steady and they actually in my book there's this great quote so it's um as Texan said on seeing a thousand year old oak standing after Hurricane Harvey you don't get old by being weak so wow right love so, that 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 also feels like a little call out to my Virgo rising taking one sick day and being like I should do this more often yeah not not being sick but like actually taking a day to recharge oh my god yes so that's really like that's the message is like take a beat i say (laughs) as someone who literally came onto the podcast with wet hair still because i took a crazy fast shower because i've been trying to do laundry and i had new internet installed today and i was trying to prep to leave for like our road trip tomorrow So I get it. Like, it's really hard. And I think it is this like problem in our culture too, where it's like, it's the winter. Naturally, our bodies want us to slow down, but then it's like the holidays and in capitalist America, holidays have you, not the other way around. Right, right. Like you get fucked from like November through January one. And it's like, no wonder everyone gets so sick. Like, yeah, really though. <laughs> take and, a beat. And my dumbass, I'm always sick on Christmas, so. Oh, not a dumbass. But we will see our Patreon people on Boxing Day, so I'll post the link. Nick and I will figure out the time that we're gonna do that because um, the other times we were looking at, like both of us wouldn't have been available, and this time we'll be together. So I yeah, think and be... we're doing we are doing our live but not live episode next week. So y'all can look forward to that happy reunion. Yeah, because we are. I hope you are. Um... I'm, I'm actually not. I'd really rather you didn't come over. <laughs> so like I know you'll be in the same city as me, but it's just kind of awk to, to like come to my house. So good thing I don't give a fuck and I'm gonna come anyway (laughs) okay well what do we say to all of the fertile bitches out there to you fertile bitches blessed be you fertile bitches blessed be fertile bitches bye now (laughs) bye so I have some I don't know if you see this uh, incredible um, Faye addition to the script. Oh, I don't, but... Oh! <laughs> so I'm just edit undoing um, until it looks normal again. One sec. That's hilarious. Faye had a lot to add. 